Thanks for listening to I Doubt It. And uh, we got a special, special episode for you today. My name is David Rublid. And this is Zach Bianca. Hey, and we are coming at you live from two different parts of California, but we're going to continue doing these episodes <laughs> together. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been talking about a band to a family member or friend and they turn around and ask, is that a Christian band or uh-huh. a secular band? All the time. Oh, all the time. <laughs> yeah. I just, I can't even like be nowhere to start. Um, or usually it, or with a movie, you know, well, did you read the plugged in review on that one? Is it, <laughs> is it a Christian movie? <laughs> you, know what's, you know, what's really funny is my sister actually used to write for plugged in. Oh really? Yeah. But it was funny cause they had, they had, I forget how many staff writers that they had, but they were all different. So like their reviews, none of them on what they would give a thumbs up to, none of them were consistent. <laughs> And so, (laughs) but yeah, here's another question. Have you ever heard, how is your spiritual life? All the time. It is the number one question at church. (laughs) Yeah. And if, if you've been a part of church culture at all for any given period, which many of the listeners here who listen to our podcast have been, uh, you've heard these things. And today being the fact that our, the title of our podcast is, I doubt it. I want to say to those sort of terms, I doubt it. <laughs> and there's a better way to think. <laughs> there really is. And so what we want to do today is we want to talk about that better way, more biblically, and talk about yeah. a little bit about God's um, God's design for us as humans, for the created elements in our world, and the call for those of us who follow God and are part of his kingdom. So Zach, if you would, would you give us just kind of a brief snapshot of creation? And we've talked about this before, but creation and also the God called and given vocation to man in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've, we've talked about this a lot before, but so I'll, I'll try to be brief, but, um, the, the idea is that Genesis opens up with God creating everything, everything out there and saying, this is good. Yep, it's, it's great. Good. Yep. Um, and over and over again, it's this declaration that the physical world is good. And then it gets to, to him creating humans and he creates us out of the dust, out of the earth. Um, and he says, you're going to be my image bearers. You're going to rule and reign over the world. And then, you know, he places them in a garden and says, you're going to, you're going to take care of this and you're going to tend to it. And so at the heart of being a human uh, is this vocational calling of tending to God's physical world, taking what God has created, every physical thing he's created and making it amazing, um, being fruitful and multiplying it. Um, and so our, our call as, as humans, uh, is to take the created order and expand it out throughout the rest of the, of the earth is that God first plants a little garden and says, all right, tend to it, be fruitful, multiply it, make this garden more. And so the creation account is, um, is again, God saying it's all good. Everything physical in this world is good. One of the things that that you alluded to there, and I, I want to bring into we don't we don't need to sit on this for too long of a time, but I, I think that sometimes we have this mindset that, and this is almost a, a gnostic con, uh, concept, is that what is physical is 
is evil and everything that yeah. is good is the spiritual nebulous thing out there. But what you're saying based on Genesis is that God created, he said that it was good and he calls us to yeah. tend to it. And I think that that's important for us to talk about today. Now, what I want to talk about is the reality. So that's Genesis one, but what happens when we get to Genesis three and all of a sudden rebellion yeah. and disobedience and sin winds up fracturing God's yeah. perfect desire in all of that and the harmony and all that. What, what do we do with that? Yeah. I think one of the, one of the best pictures that I've heard uh, when we get to Genesis three is that the physical is, is good. Everything God has created is good. And Genesis three is almost the, the graffiti on top of all that is good. Um, it would be like, um, you know, for me, like I live in Southern California. So like the heart of Southern California is Disneyland and the Disney castle. And it would be like this beautiful, you know, this beautiful thing that symbolizes magic and happiness and joy and someone coming along, like just spray painting something obscene over it. Like that'd be awful. Right. That doesn't make the Disneyland castle any less good in and of itself, it makes the graffiti, the graffiti is, is the bad. And so Genesis three is, um, our world has been tainted, um, and almost has been, um, spray painted with graffiti all over. And it doesn't make what's underneath it bad. It's that now, um, there is a, um, uh, a, a distortion to it. Um, and, that is where we get in Genesis chapter three. It's not that God um, sees his world fall, you know, go into this fall and think, oh man, well, let's ditch the creation and, and let's, let's take him to heaven later. Let's, let's get out of the, the physical world. Let's go to disembodied spiritual place. And um, I think that's where this, this divide that we're working to gets to is that, um, is that there is something, you know, there are spiritual things uh, and then there's secular physical things. And, um, and I think that's that misunderstanding of the first three chapters of the Bible uh, is probably attributed to this, to this issue. Yeah. And let me reframe some of uh, what you may be thinking as you're, you're hearing this. And that is that, that the, the, the good news narrative through scripture starts at creation and, and, and it calls us into vocation there. It calls, you know, uh, us into, to this, uh, it says subdue the earth. We've talked about this before, which means to take physical things and create something out of them. And so that's, that's the, and, 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 uh, and when we get to the fall, we see this distortion that we're, we're talking about. And then we see that God makes this covenant for redemption and there's atonement means in that. And that we see in scripture and revelation that he is going to one day bring it into full completion as he brings about recreation. So that's almost like, uh, I'm going to oversimplify this. This is gross <laughs> oversimplification, but it's almost like there's four movements within the narrative. I know there's more than that, but let's say that there's four movements within this gospel narrative, this good news narrative we see in scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Now, the problem with the message that many of us have heard is that really it, there there's only two parts there's you suck you're a sinner 
you're in need of redemption and your future hope is some nebulous heaven up there after you've been redeemed. But that's not where scripture is going. Scripture starts at creation and there's a vocation to humanity in there. And it ends with a, a restoration and a recreation of all things. That's a new heavens and a new earth. That is, that is this, this, this physical nature that we tend to push against is actually continued on to this flourishing of beauty and completion. And so when we have that understanding, we understand that what we do here and now matters and plays into that future vision. And so that then comes into the means of culture icons such as music and movies and art and those sort of things that we tend to put a divide and say, well, the, the, that art is Christian or, or that art is sacred and that art over there is secular when in all reality, all created matter is created and it's good in all reality. It's the individual who is a Christian or not. And so it's almost like we have to reframe how reframe how we talk about, uh, I, I guess you say goods and services and art in our culture, because I don't think God looks down on those things and says, well, that's a Christian painting or, oh, that's a Christian song. Oh, that's a secular song. He looks at the heart and the intent behind why it's created. You know, this conversation is starting with Genesis. You know, if you're reading the title of the podcast, and it's sacred, secular, and you're like, why are we starting Genesis? Um, it's that idea of we've, in that construction of the gospel that, you, you know, you just presented, uh, kind of a caricature, but pretty real to, to a lot of Christians, um, is that we've created a, a dualism, that there is a dividing line between heaven and earth, Um there's a dividing line between the physical and spiritual. And so therefore there's a divided line between what's sacred and what's secular. And what's sacred is, you know, things that's, that's only talk about very vague Christian things. Uh, sacred is, you know, going to church. Sacred is praying. Sacred is, um, uh, worship songs. Um, and but the, but the problem is is that that's only like what two percent of your of two, your life like you know like yeah. you know that like two percent of your life is spent doing again I keep doing air quotes on these podcasts and no one can see them but <laughs> <laughs> it's like air quotes sacred um, and but then that leaves you know ninety eight percent of your life that's eating sleeping entertainment. Um, all those things. And it's like, well, is my whole life is everything that I live need to be filled with something with a Christian stamp on it. So I should only go to my church's coffee shop for my coffee. I should only go to eat at Chick-fil-A and in and out. I should only listen to, you know, K-Love. Uh, if it's not a Chris Tomlin's song, get it out of my car. Like I should only watch pure flicks. Like if I just need to keep filling my life with these sacred things, because most of my life isn't filled with the sacred stuff. Um, and so I just need to find the thing on them. Uh, and everything else is secular. Um, you know, that band hasn't been played on K-Love and they haven't specifically said they're Christians. So they're secular, you know? Um, 
with Harry, you know, from Harry Potter. Though it's a great redemptive story, we don't know if the person who wrote is actually a Christian. So, uh, secular. You know, it's like it's well, this. And you jo- <laughs> you joked earlier about plugged in magazine, but in all reality, I mean, because I was I was raised in this, and you probably were somewhat too. I mean, I was raised in Colorado Springs. I mean, like that's that's the mecca of all this stuff, you know. Yeah. And so we used to get those for free, just going to focus on the family's headquarters. And they used to be like, you know, if you like, let's just say rage against the machine, try the Christian alternative, POD, you know, that's like what it was. Um, you know, as if they're, and I, I know that lyrics are a thing and we, we could get into that, but, but it's, 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 it's as if there's this like weird divide and, um, it's almost like Derek Webb who, uh, he, he was a member of Cademan's call and a writer. He, he wrote a song called new law, you know, don't teach me about politics and government. Just tell me who to vote for. Don't he, teach me about, um, uh, truth and beauty. Just label my music. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, we, we don't want to think about these things deeply and let the Holy spirit yeah. like lead us into, um, what mm. we participate in. We just, we just want somebody to, slap a label on it and say, well, Christian good, secular bad, you know? Yeah. I, I remember um, a couple of years ago when um, when Switchfoot, uh, you know, this band for the longest time who had been, who got the stamp of Christian, you know, that they were given, you know, that, that new law of just like, this is a Christian band, listen to them. Um, I remember when they started putting their music in, <laughs> secular stores yeah. <laughs> and started considering and stopped calling themselves a Christian band. But there was this huge like outrage of like, well, should we listen to them anymore? Are they even a Christian band? And it's like, what? Like, how, when did we create this system of this is Christian, this isn't? And it's music is definitely one of the easiest ones to kind of think about. You know, for, for me, like, like you said, to where now instead of me thinking through the lyrics of music and and finding the redeemable things and the things that I can learn, it's just like, oh, someone told me that's a Christian band, so I can listen to them. Uh, you know, for me, my, my easiest example is, um, like, for me, I'm a huge fan of Kendrick Lamar. He's yeah, a rapper. Um, and to me, he's, like, he's a brilliant musician, and his lyrics are, like, multi-layered. And um, I love digging through his lyrics to figure out what he's talking about. You know, he's hitting on social justice and, the city he grew up in and racism and, and, and he's talking about his struggle and his conversation with God. And, and there's so much depth to that. But at the end of the day, no one's coming in and being like, Oh, he's a Christian rapper. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. he cusses, you know, he certainly cusses. Um, but to me, it's like, I have had, you know, I have another friend who really loves Kendrick Lamar and him and I have had deep conversations about the lyrics and have thoroughly had like, amazing moments of just listening to his music and feeling like, wow, I, I am seeing God's beauty in like the way he has like taken words and lyrics and he's taken music and done this with it. Like that is image of God's stuff of taking, you know, what's been made and doing something amazing with it. And I've had way more fruitful conversations listening to, to his music than like listening to Caleb, you yeah. know, like, yep. um, and at the end of the day, it's like, okay, like, yeah, there's some content in his lyrics. It's like, 
maybe a little hard and uh, cusses and all that, but um, it's that at the end of the day that, that like I have a difficulty that where someone's like, well, that's not a Christian rapper. So you shouldn't listen to him. <laughs> you know, it's, well, and like it's you talk about Lecrae, when Lecrae started changing some of his verbiage, it was like all of a sudden everybody was up in arms, you know, and yeah. we, we see the same thing with Lauren Daigle. I know it's kind of old news, but it, you know, yeah. she's, she, I'm not a Christian artist. I'm just an artist. However, all her songs are about redemption and Jesus. But the fact that she said that all of a sudden she's, you know, getting hate mail from everybody yeah. who you know, apparently loves Jesus, you know, um, yeah. uh, I, I want to talk if I, if I could, I'd, I'd like to talk just cause I'm, I'm one who uh, has had experience in the music industry. If I could just kind of lift the veil or look behind the curtain with everybody real <laughs> yeah. quick and explain some things. So the, the Christian subculture kind of started off and what I mean by the Christian subculture are, are, are the desire to make, uh, in a sense, a Christian world of goods and services that are apart from what we would consider secular. A lot of that really came in strong after the Jesus movement. And the Jesus movement was a bunch of hippies in the 60s and 70s that were coming to faith, mostly in California at first, Southern California. And, and there were some movements such as the, uh, the Calvary Chapel played a huge role in that. And hippies were coming to faith in, in, in Jesus. And um, they decided, you know, with especially with music, they decided to keep their music style and just make a Christian version of it. Well, our generation, me and Zach, and, and, and we are the children of a lot of people that were a part of that movement or around when that movement was strong. And especially in the 80s, with you have the moral majority popping up. And in the 90s, you have movements like Focus on the Family and, and, and stuff that were running really strong, in a sense, creating this utopian culture or subculture in which they wanted to raise their kids through, through um, I guess, just safe for the family means, <laughs> you yeah, know, protection yeah. and stuff. And so what you have is you had different uh, music labels that popped up. So you have like Word popped up. Um, Integrity Hosanna was one that popped up in the 90s when it came to worship music. I'm trying to think of a few others. Um, Word Word was really the strong one. Maranatha popped up. Uh, and, you know, Maranatha was, was Promise Keepers. Well, um, we, we've kind of since had a collapse of the Christian subculture at industry level. And so you still have families that kind of look for those goods and services, but at industry level that has collapsed. And so, um, you have, I'll give an example. Word records was bought out by Warner brothers. Uh, you have INO is bought out by Sony so you all of a sudden have all these labels that at one time split from and created this divide between Christian and secular. All of a sudden they're being bought up by these so-called secular companies, but nobody really knows it who are consuming the goods and services. So think about this. You now have an executive at the top of Warner brothers who looks at word records that they bought, not as a ministry, 
But now they're looking at it as a, a means of marketing a genre for the sake of money. So there's monetary means. The other thing that you have in here is now you have, okay, the, the, I would say now the, the term Christian for the, at the industry level is now seen as a, all it is is a genre for target marketing. Hmm. And so now you have radio stations popping up like K-Love and Air One that are popping up and they now have created a target that they're marketing to. And that target that they're marketing to, they've actually named Becky. And Becky is a 39-year-old soccer <laughs> mom that drives a minivan and is single. So you know that they're, the whole like concept is, is that you know, you're, you're looking for a redemptive message. You may have had somewhat of a history, but she's driving around a, a van to soccer practice with kids, and they want positive, uplifting radio. And so what they do is they do these groups where they put a bunch of Beckys, 39-year-old single soccer moms that drive minivans, they put them all in a room. And up in the front of the room, they hit play on a song and they basically vote. And and they want to know, is Becky going to listen to this song or not? And that that is what determines what goes on Air One and K-Love. Um, let me tell one other story and then I'll change gears here for a minute. One other story is I was on a, um, a, a discussion, I guess you could say a Q and a, uh, forum. It was, it was myself. It was Daniel Bashta. Daniel Bashta is a guy who wrote God's not dead like a lion. Um, <laughs> and, and the song, and he's written a bunch of other songs. And then it was the, uh, CEO of the company who put the movie God's Not Dead out, Pure Flix. His name's Michael Scott. We're all sitting up on on this uh, this Q and A, and Daniel is not like he writes whatever he wants and does whatever he wants. But his song just caught wind, and they used it. The newsboys took hold of it, and then they wound up making like ten movies out of it, you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> um, and so we're sitting up there, and I've known Daniel for years. I've known him since I was seventeen, and we're sitting up uh, at this Q and A, and it was fascinating feeling the tension of. Um, of philosophy difference between us when it comes to music and how we live our lives and how pure flicks and, and the, um, because you have a lot of the pure flicks, uh, staff left the Hollywood industry because of the evils of the culture and the stuff that was run, running rampant. However, Daniel and I's philosophy is no, we need Christians in all bits of life and culture. And that's our, our mindset. And I would say that that comes out of, I mean, you have Abraham Kuyper who says this, he says, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, that is mine. So we, we have this desire to move into culture and to create culture and redeem culture where we're seeing that we're sitting in this Q and a forum with a guy who's like, no, I, I want to remove myself from culture and just create Christian things. And it was, it was fascinating sitting on this Q and a where there was such a difference in philosophy on that. Um, uh, one other thought, I just want to toss one other scripture at us in this and, and for us to think through. Um, and that is Psalm 24, one, it says, 
um, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And so remember that when we are participating in the, the artistic cultural icons that exist, remember that all those things are created out of matter and created by people that God wants to redeem or that he looks at and he says, hey, those are mine. They're beautiful. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, really the thing I got out of it was that the CEO of Fearflex is named Michael Scott. Um, that, was, <laughs> that was what I got out of that. Um, um, but no, I, I think that's just such an interesting way to get back, like behind, as you said, behind the veil, um, kind of Wizard of Oz stuff to see, like, there's there's a marketing to this. There's a business to it all. Yep. Um, there really is money driving the genre language of is this Christian yeah. or is this secular? We we tend to we tend to not really realize that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just an interesting, you know, of, of what like the beauty is that comes out of it. Because I think what we've become known as as Christians is now like we just make cheap knockoffs, right? It's the cheap t-shirt that takes the logo of another company and puts Jesus in it. Um, we, as you said, like, Hey, you like this band? Well, this band sounds kind of like them, but they say Jesus. You know? <laughs> they most likely um, suck more. <laughs> and they're not as good. They're not as talented, you know? And I think, um, we've removed the desire to be creative and be fruitful and multiply and, uh, you know, do things well. We've replaced that to do things, call it Christian, and uh, we'll put that stamp on it for you. And I and I think that's where you know that sacred secular thing just becomes so exhausting. Is that I don't want to watch you know another faith based movie. I don't I don't want to watch that again. Like, I don't want to watch God's Not Dead Four. Like I I want to go watch Avengers Endgame. You know, like I yeah I want to go enjoy like things that are done really well and find the redemptive conversations in that, you know, going back to like, I'm having deeper conversations with my friends listening to Kendrick Lamar because he has done something well done in his music and has been thoughtful in it. And I can have conversations about that rather than like that same song on Caleb that has the same bridge 12 times that just redid another hymn, you know, like, like to me, like that is the beauty of like going to a museum and looking at art and being like, wow, this person's really talented. And, um, what's the redeeming factor in it that I can, I can look at and enjoy and be thankful for. NT Wright talks about, um, um, how he's excited for the day when, when God comes and restores the world. And, um, he says he's pictures this moment where as basically the city, you know, the new Jerusalem comes down and he has this image of like God bringing in all that's beautiful and good into the city. And he says, I'm so curious as to like what God's going to bring in. Like what are those things that, that just have to be here with our new creation? What's that art piece that, that we might not today label as Christian because, you know, it wasn't made by so-and-so and, but that's going to make it into the new creation. Like this idea. I love that idea. I love Philippians four, you know, the finally brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable talks about whatever's excellent, praiseworthy to think about these things. Well, if we, if we think about that, 
I know things that are outside of the genre title Christian that are those things. Then I also know things that are within the genre title Christian that are not those things. And, uh, and I think that just the, those titles are not helpful real quick. Cause I, I, I know we got to go here in a minute for the sake of time. Let me ask you, what is some practical way in which maybe you can Mm. help a parent? Cause you, you do ministry for fifth and sixth grade. Um, that you could help a parent think through these things. If you could just leave us with that, that would be awesome. Yeah. So there's this website called plugged in. Um, (laughs) I would say say for a parent, it would be to, um, uh, you know, do practical things like going on, going on Spotify, listening to like the top songs, finding out like what are the shows that students are, that my kids might be watching that are on Netflix what are the movies that we're going to? Um, and instead of like nitpicking and I, I get, there's a level, like I understand, like I fit the situation students. I'm not going to be like, Oh, go watch this R rated movie and find the redeemable factor out of it. I, I understand like the maturity and, and stuff like that. But, um, to go through those things and say, what are those conversations I can have? Um, that would be, you know, beneficial for them. What's that show they're watching that, yeah, it's not the details, but um, maybe there's a redemptive arc in it. How can I use that to talk to my to my to my kid about the idea of redemption and things that are good, and to just genuinely point them to appreciating things uh, of of listening to music, um, even if it's like your generation's music, you know, as a parent, yep. of point out those things that aren't necessary. And I, I love how you keep saying the genre of Christian. I, I, I want to keep using that title. That's a great way instead of being like the Christian things, it's well, the genre of Christian. reality, that's what yeah. it is. Like, yeah. that's, And that's how I see it being that I've lived behind, behind the, the curtain, you know? Yeah. So to, to listen to things that are beyond that genre with your, with your kid and to be like, isn't this, doesn't this sound awesome? Isn't this so good? Like, this guy made it and blah, blah, blah. And so um, I, I think those are very tangible things you can do um, that go beyond just force feeding them the pure flicks. And um, and again, not that like we want to sit here and, and bash on them. Like I saw the movie The Case for Christ, which is like a pure flicks movie. And that was actually a really good movie. It actually had good acting, had like genuine emotions in it. It wasn't like this cheesy, like, and the dad leaves and then he finds God. Like it was, you know, I was like, Oh, this is like a move in the right direction. Um, and there are Christian, like John Christian genre musicians who are really talented. Like yep, one who like, for me that sits on the balance for most people is like, again, like King's kaleidoscope. They're yep, yep. brilliantly talented. Um, and, they have an explicit song, but they also have like really great worship music. And so it's, it's being attuned to those things and spending time outside of K-Love and Pure Flix and jumping in into Netflix, into the movie theater, into Spotify, listening to those things and, and being like, okay, this is what they're listening to. What is the redeemable factor and what's the beauty I can point out of it? Awesome. Hey, thanks so much, Zach. Hey, you can find out uh, more about Zach and myself by checking out our blogs and our websites. They are in the notes below. Uh, Thanks so much. We'll have more episodes coming your way. Bye, guys.